Hello, you are listening to Practicing Gospel. I'm David Rayburn. My guest today is Dr. Mark Mullinax, who is Professor of Religion at Mars Hill University in Mars Hill, North Carolina, where he has taught for 19 years. Mark is also a charter member of the Creative and Progressive Church Circle of Mercy in Asheville, North Carolina, that has also been going for 19 years. This is going to be a two-part series. In the first part, we're going to be talking about the fact that Christians are experiencing a great sense of anxiety during this time, even before the arrival of the coronavirus. But then also, in our second part, Mark is going to be talking about ways to respond and how to live a life of practicing gospel, practicing resurrection as a Christian in these anxious times. So welcome, Mark. Thank you for being with me today. It's great to be here. Thank you so much. For some time now, Christians across the theological and political spectrum have been developing a great sense of anxiety. And for those of us on the Christian left, that anxiety has found a unique and more profound expression in the election of President Trump. And so we're wanting to talk about that both today and in our next episode. Uh, so, Mark, why don't you begin uh, by talking about, in your mind, uh, what you see as the reasons for the anxiety that Christians are experiencing. Oh, thank you. It's a, it's a great question. It goes deep into our culture. It goes deep into uh, how we think of ourselves. And um, where I'd like to go is, to, is, is the word worldview. Um, in my classes at Mars Hill, I now began every course that I teach in the academic study of religion with what is a worldview? Do you have one? What does that mean? And for the first time, students are able to understand how they've been led to expect things uh, because of the worldview. It's just what they are. It's like an like internal map of, of expectations. Of, and, and, and these expectations, expectations have become so normal, uh, so uh, background. It's like, it's like a, the, the hum of your refrigerator that you notice only when that refrigerator kicks off. It's that kind of background hum in our lives and these expectations. And when they get overturned by a bad election or a, a pandemic, we go into a kind of stress mode. Is that uh, sort of like what you're you're asking? Yeah. Uh, David? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So to develop a uh, so, more. Yeah, of course. Uh, so uh, I think of, of a worldview um, as like an operating system for your computer or your phone. We each got our preferences, Apple or Windows or Android. Uh, we each got our preferences, but they basically do the same kind of thing. They operate with millions of operations in the deep, 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 deep background. And so then when you press your finger on an app on your phone, it, it sets in motion a bunch of things, which we don't have to think about, but it becomes so normal. So you press on the, your favorite app and there you are in Instagram and, and flipping through pictures. And it seems so easy and normal. And this is what worldviews do to us. They, they're like these operating systems that make things normal 
if one is a privileged person like I, white, heterosexual, if, if you have, if you have this kind of privilege, then that becomes part of the background hum as well. That I've got this normality, and when that is called into question, when that is interrupted by a pandemic or someone or uh, an election, then I start getting into the anxious mode. Um, but a worldview does all kinds of, of things that, uh, and I cannot underscore this enough, it does all kinds of things to help us just negotiate our day. Uh, for example, what is funny? Uh, what's not funny? Uh, when, when I teach in my classes at Mars Hill, I say there's a particular humor to, to Chuck Norris. And we look at one of his videos and everybody laughs. I say, well, when I go over to South Korea and try to teach Chuck Norris is funny, everybody looks around and says, what are you thinking? That is not funny. If that's, a, that's the effect of a worldview. Well, I noticed like uh, one, of the, one of the things that uh, my wife discovered, uh, you know, because I guess you and I grew up. Uh, knowing about Ray Stevens and his particular brand of humor. And one of his famous songs was the Mississippi Squirrel Revival. Uh, yes. And how funny yes. that was to us. But when she would play it yes. for her South Florida Catholic students, uh, they, yeah. they didn't think it was funny at all. They didn't understand the humor at all. Uh, yeah, yeah. So the, the, the worldview is going to give us a chronology. What time is it in the world uh, what's supposed to be happening now? What time is it in my life? Uh, what's the right time to do things? So it's going to give us this idea that, okay, I'm 18 years old. Uh, I'm in a privileged place. Let's see what colleges are available. And that's the kind of thing. And then you go through college and maybe graduate school and you say, okay, ding, ding, ding. The It's time to maybe get married and start a family. So it's this kind of chronology and it makes it kind of normal. Um, the Second, the uh, worldviews explain how the world works, and is and you could easily uh, understand this through a scientific worldview, which invites falsifiability. That is always testing, 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 hypothesizing, hypothesizing. Um, or you could go to a more uh, right-wing kind of Christian worldview, which says that uh, that the that the world is supposed to work in a in a much different way that that uh, that the creation has been set uh, and there's there's no problem with having uh, a museum that shows dinosaurs um, uh, romping around with the first humans. Uh, third thing that the uh, that the worldview does is gives us a future a futurology. What's the future supposed to be like if I do X and Y and Z and keep my nose clean and and my values uh, clear? Then X or Y or Z is supposed to happen. And uh, so there's consequences. So so the worldview is going to explain why bad things happen, but also why good things happen. And then uh, fourth thing is that they give us values and these, these values of how we shall live, how we shall operate, how we shall get angry, uh, what what's really, really bad, what's really, really good. They give us a, a sense of ethics and values. But let me make an important point, then I'll, uh, I'll be quiet for any, any conversation. That is, a worldview is like a straw through which we look at the world, and all we see in that straw is like, one-tenth of one-tenth of one degree of an arc and we think that's all there is and because that arc that that worldview that we see through that straw is so so small but so normal 
And when I teach my students this, they get the idea, okay, I've been raised in a certain kind of culture with a certain kind of idea. And so there's a certain kind of normality. And they realize that, okay, I have a relative position. And, and it makes our class go so, so much farther. But once a worldview does get challenged, as we've noticed today, uh, pandemics, uh, bad actors on the political scheme, scene, we uh, go into a painful mode. It's, it's very painful to have our worldviews challenged and we get anxious. So what do you think? Well, I, I think that um, uh, segues into my own perspective of, of, of what it is that makes Christians so anxious these days. Because our nation has for so long uh, had the, the dominant worldview of Christianity. And that uh, what is causing our anxiety, as you said, is, is disrupting our worldview is three things um, that, that all kind of are related. You know, the first being that um, Christianity is becoming a minority uh, perspective in the United States. The, it doesn't mean that Christianity is declining necessarily. Uh, it just means that the number of Christians in relationship to the growth of the population of the United States uh, is not staying the same, uh, that there, there are fewer Christians in ratio to the growing population of the United States. And so that consequently means that other voices are beginning to, to be heard more strongly, uh, beginning to have more influence. And so we're uh, getting that sense that, that we're no longer the dominant culture. Right. And then in, in a, a second way, it is the case that uh traditional denominational Christianity is in fact declining across again across the, the theological and political spectrum churches are dying uh, churches are closing their doors young people uh, if they are coming to Christianity uh, are not wanting to be labeled by a denominational title and and so churches are leaving that off of their name or they're finding that uh, uh, they're, they're not having attendance. Uh, it's older people in attendance. And, and, uh, yes. and so, yeah, they're, they're either declining or, 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 or closing their doors. And that's caused a great anxiety uh, across the denominational spectrum as far as uh, what to do about the, the publishing houses, what to do about the seminaries, uh, you know, how to maintain historic buildings. Uh, how to how to bring new people in, uh, what to do with declining yeah. budgets. And then um, I think probably more so than it has happened since the beginning of our nation, there is a uh, such a deep division between the left and the right within Christianity that that division is uh, is very yeah. rancorous and 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 getting uh, tending toward hostility. Uh, you know, before our country was founded, there were religious wars in Europe, uh, but our cho nation chose religious liberty, which kind yes. of sidelined that rancor to some degree, but that seems to be returning. And so uh, that's producing a lot of anxiety, which in my mind produces three results or three effects. Um, yeah. We're feeling a sense of fear. 
uh, especially those yeah. of us on the Christian left. We're hearing uh, some very hostile voices coming out of the especially alt-right. Uh, we're feeling a sense of loss of meaning, uh, learning about the yeah. relevance of our experience um, and whether or not our vision of being church uh, is still viable. And then we're also mm-hmm. feeling a sense of loneliness uh, yeah. that, uh, you know, we're smaller, fewer, further between, wondering whether or not there are people uh, out there that share our views and experience. And so that's leading them to come to us uh, asking three questions. Or they're seeking answers. Uh, yeah. They're seeking hope uh, about is there, the, you know, is there hope for who we are and what we're wanting to be and seeking community. Yeah. Uh, so that's kind of my, my take on it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So how do we, in your, yeah. in your mind, yes. explore that? Um, yeah. These, and, and I, I try to go back into the analysis of what you just said. And I think that the analysis, if we pull the curtains back, Wizard of Oz, Oz style, that the worldview is going to kind of pre-select for us what it is that we are to expect or see or notice or hear or even think in the ways we get our truth or our information. And so when these go south or get interrupted, um, oftentimes a, world, a worldview is not interested in making us nimble enough to change worldviews or to, 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 to be uh, resilient enough in, in tough times. You know, there's two kinds of, um, of interruptions. And most of us are quite aware of the first, and that is that two o'clock in the morning call from someone and and uh, they're sick or someone has died or someone is imminently uh, about to die and our world instantly changes. And we go into a new mode of thinking, of gathering information and, and because we've been interrupted. And so we now have a we're in a kind of emergency mode and our stress level is going high and uh, and we're running on uh, nervous energy. And that's kind of what's happening now with the coronavirus. Yeah, exactly. And and so what I would like to say that, that there's a second kind of interruption and every world religious or spiritual tradition teaches this. Uh, we don't often follow it, but it does teach us that there's a kind of intentional interruption that we can bring to bear uh, on any given situation. If you're a Christian, it's prayer uh, or meditation. Uh, it could be walking a labyrinth, but you, you, when you get in that labyrinth, you leave aside. You interrupt the yada yada, the noise, the chatter, uh, the anxiety. You leave it beside you know, on the path, then you walk the labyrinth. And if you want to pick it up on the way out of the labyrinth, feel free to. But it's that that interruption in which you realize the silence teaches me brand new things. Out of the silence comes new ways. It's like a womb that births things for us. So so in Christianity, there's the prayer meditation. In Islam, it's uh, it's prayer five, five times a day. The, uh, the month of Ramadan uh, that happens every year, the Hajj or the, uh, the, the interruption of your life to go for 30 days to Mecca and recreate what uh, Muhammad done, has done. Uh, 
in uh, Buddhism, uh, there's the um, the idea of uh, meditation that that interrupts uh, what your brain is constantly feeding you. You know, we, as Buddhism says, we we often um, believe our own thoughts. We manufacture junk and we start believing our junk. Uh, Hinduism somewhat the same way with meditation. In Judaism, they have a wonderful interrupting uh, pattern. Uh, it's called the High Holy Days every year in September. It's also called, uh, you know, uh, the Sabbath. And once a week, giving up work, giving up the usual stuff. Um, so, so every major world faith has a way in which we can interrupt. And, um, and, and many times, at least in my Christian faith, we're not taught to be resilient enough to interrupt our own crap before it happens. And it will happen. But we're taught mainly just to be reactive instead of proactive. And so I'd like to argue that that progressive Christianity has a golden moment to help teach resilience in an age of anxiety. Well, now let me let me clarify also. Um, you had suggested there were two kinds of interruption uh, and yes. one was the, the sudden call at night uh, where your yes. world changes. Um, but there's a second one, right? Or was the second one, the one you were talking about of the, the, the faith interruption of. That's right. Yes. It's that, that faith that teaches us that we um, are living somehow not awake or, you know, getting into old rutty habits and it's a way of interrupting those, just like a labyrinth would or, or meditation or prayer might, is to interrupt that that uh, stream of uh, bad thoughts or anxiety and just put us aside for a while. Okay. So, yeah, that's the second kind. Oh, okay. I, Intentional. I was thinking more of um, uh, incremental because the first one was kind of sudden uh, as opposed yes. to, yeah. to, you know, the... Oh, I can't remember his name now, but uh, used the idea of the frog in the kettle, you know. Um, yes. Uh, yep. that incrementally, change happens to you that it's not quite as perceptive. And, uh, yes. You know, and that's that we have a hard time. It's, it's, it's not as, it, it's, it's traumatic, but it's not the same kind of trauma as something that suddenly happens to you. Yeah, but uh, if, it, if it's incremental like the frog, we may actually stay in the pot until it boils over and we die. And so uh, I think a healthy spirituality is the one that notices pretty soon when things go bad. Oh, things are not working out. My relationship with my spouse is not working out. I'm not, um, my job is becoming a dead end. It, it notices the signs on the fringes of our lives and it invites us to give them a pause, to give them a, a vacation, and then see what happens. So that, that's that's the kind of uh, interruption. It's an intentional, mindful, prayerful, meditational uh, interruption that uh, we can bring. Anybody can start right now and bring that to our lives. Well, that's a that's a great insight. And so that kind of sets us up then uh, for our second conversation. Uh, okay. In which you're going to bring to us some uh, of your own insights, suggestions that you have uh, for ways of us practicing uh, being yeah. faithful, uh, practicing our gospel, 
uh, that we believe in practicing the resurrection uh, that we believe yeah. in. So I hope then that you will uh, stay tuned or tune back in uh, to our second part. Uh, when, when Mark uh, kind of uh, draws upon the experiences of his own church uh, and uh, uh, kind of gives suggestions that he will be in conversation with his own church about uh, as far as ways that we can uh, confront these times, uh, serve as, like you say, our own interruption and intentional interruption uh, to what's happening to us. So thank you for being with me, Mark, and look forward to continuing our conversation. Uh, thank you very much. I look forward to part two. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Practicing Gospel. I'm David Rayburn. The music for this episode comes from a clip of a song called Father Let Your Kingdom Come that is on the Porter's Gate Worship Project Work Songs album and used by permission by the Porter's Gate Work Project. You can purchase the album and learn more about the Worship Project by going to the website theportersgate.com. This show has as its purpose enabling you to hear the voices of the Christian left and about the issues and concerns that are of interest to the Christian left. Practicing Gospel Inc. is a nonprofit organization. If you like what you've heard, go to my website at practicing-gospel.blubrry.net to subscribe and hopefully to donate. Your participation will help me continue this effort. Thank you for listening and for your support. Blessings. May the words from my mouth speak your peace. May the words from my mouth speak your peace.